Hi, welcome to Comics Unscripted, the podcast from Form Press Comics. I'm your host, Kyler Merrill, and today we have me bumping my desk, apparently, and also Christian Herrera, the writer of Sidekick for Hire, which is on Kickstarter now and ends on February 3rd. Um, so how are you doing, Christian? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for uh, letting me be part of your show. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, man, absolutely. I appreciate you um, responding to my uh, call for, you know, people to ask, because I always like go through my list of like, who do I know? Who do I know? And it's always like, I don't want to ask that person. I don't know about that. And then always I get a whole bunch of people that I didn't know. And then I end up like, you know, meeting new people because of it. And it ends up, you know, I've been better off for it rather than just keeping my uh, circle closed. But um, anyway, sorry. What you been up to? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, making comics as best I can. Talking yeah. with a few other creators, trying to just constantly break into the industry and whatnot but yeah feel free to ask anytime like a lot of us comic book creators not even myself are like yeah, yeah absolutely any exposure we'll take it yes that's yeah. what i i do the like i'm the same way where i'm like if any even like for whether it's for making my own comics or for the podcast i'm always just like like if anybody reached out i'd be down immediately but then it's my anxiety or whatever kicks in and it's like no, no no you can't do that though only they're allowed to ask but you know i think that's just normal people <laughs> normal anxiety stuff Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, no. Um, But yeah, I mean, I've, I've been about doing the same. I've been lettering a new book for, um, or letting a three-page comic for someone. And it's in, my iPad is lighting my face really weird. Um, And it's in Spain. <laughs> some reason I'm, not no shade because I'm getting paid for it, but I'm editing it. They're, they're having me letter the Spanish version. And I'm not fluent in Spanish. Like they already had someone do the English version and they needed someone You're to do the Spanish. So, I mean, I'm just copying and pasting and I was copying and pasting a dialogue but um yeah it was i was like i don't know why i'm why i'm doing this but okay um and it was a whole there was a nice. whole thing where some of the files weren't right and stuff but been doing that and drawing and i actually wrote for the first time yesterday so you know just that's awesome man yeah yeah i put myself up with i'm getting a, back into writing after taking like the holidays off myself yeah. so it's been fun i'm glad i'm getting back into the mm-hmm. mood of it while also having a day job to pay for the bills and yeah you know running a kickstarter at the same time which is stressful the the kickstarter is like a whole thing but yeah no i've Mm -hmm. like i just outlined and i haven't written anything in a long time because i put myself up to a deadline with the with the book that i'm trying to put out in march and so i'm just like i hate myself um because i really (laughs) messed myself up here but um i'm just gonna go for it yeah sorry my face is lit really weird um it's because my ipad my my house is not it's old and it's not set up for this um I got compared to you, you have like a whole little decorated space behind you. It looks like that's what you're meant. You're supposed to be doing there. It looks like it's meant to be a podcast studio or space. And then mine's just like my ceiling. Yeah, no. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. You're back. Yes. Okay. It doesn't matter if you heard what I said or not. It was all garbage. Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry. no, you're good. I, I really, I was doing it. I was like, this is, this is a good thing you can't hear me because I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, um, so let's just, we'll just keep on plugging away. And if something happens, it happens. Um, so let's yeah. go ahead and start with um, you and, you know, who you are. And I guess the best, I think the best place to start out is what's your origin story in terms of comics specifically, or in terms of writing? Yeah, my, uh, well, I can tell my comic book origin story, which it's like I found my comics in a library that my grandmother took me when I was younger. First ones I really remember reading was Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So love that. 
And then it wasn't until like throughout high school, like I was collecting comics, but I was also sharing them with my friends like, oh, hey, you guys need to read this. You need to read that. And I was known as a comic book guy in high school and people really liked that. And then I was like, okay, cool. You know, what? I should like in college, I was like, I should write my own story or something like that. Maybe try that out. And I did what I think every young comic book writer thought where I was like, I'll just write a script and Marvel and DC will knock on my door. Right. Yeah. That's how it works. That's, that's, that's usually how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. And so, uh, I don't know, like something clicked like while I was in college because I wrote it and then I would go to conventions and like, oh, hey, I'm a comic book writer. I love to talk to people. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. And what comics have you made? It's like, well, I just wrote a script. They're like, oh, okay. And then they would walk away. I was like, cool. All right. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it wasn't, I, there was something that clicked in my head because I remember going to a panel because I'm, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And I went to a panel at Momocon with a bunch of other comic book creators. And one of them just like, I don't know why I clicked, but they just said to make your first comic, just make a comic. That's mm -hmm. all you have to do to break in. Mm -hmm. And like, for some reason I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's what I have to do. I have to contact an artist. I have to meet up with people. So that's how it first started for me with making my very first comic. And it worked out pretty well through that. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, on my fourth issue of Sidekick for Hire mm -hmm. and my like six comic overall. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And plus hopefully more coming this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, well, like at what point did you realize like that, that writing, this is something I ask, I ask almost everyone, like what, what's, at what point did you realize that writing was a thing that like these comic was, do you have a specific point where you remember that like, Oh, people are making these comics like it wasn't just spider ultimate spider-man you realize like oh brian michael bendis is a person this is something you can do yeah i i don't know why i always thought like even as a kid i was like oh it's just an artist who's making all this and the artist has four names <laughs> i was like oh the artist must be brian michael bendis mark bagley like that's a <laughs> long name but that's yeah. awesome and then i was like oh wait no it's a team and I think it wasn't until like, cause I got, I dropped out of uh, comics in middle school cause obviously I was bullied as a kid who wasn't. Uh, but then I got back into it in high school and I think like, this is going to sound bad, but I got back into it during the new 52. Stuff. No, same. That's the first time I got in, really into comics was new 52. So no shade. Yeah. Uh, but like, obviously we had the great run with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. And I love that run. It's one of my favorites, but that was like the first time where I was like, wait, Scott Snyder is just the writer and he's doing a really good job of telling Kakala's story. Greg Capullo is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Like his work is without a doubt one of the best, but the writer is helping telling the story. Mm -hmm. And that's something like, I could do that. I could possibly tell a story because mm -hmm. I'm trying to learn how to draw. I yeah. can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was the first time I think it really clicked in my head. I was like, okay, there's writers, there's mm -hmm. Ed Brubaker, there's Matt Fraction, Kelly Sudaconic, people that I was really enjoying mm -hmm. their work and wanted to keep reading. Yeah. And I was like, I'm following the writers more than the artists at this mm -hmm. point. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, New 52, like I said, was also my introduction. And it was it was with The Flash because, and it wasn't necessarily the real, where I learned that writing was a thing. Because like, I kind of got that, I guess, but it's where I realized like comics were more, you know, weren't just like, kind. I don't know. I had an image of like a lot of, I guess, nineties comics, you know, very um, 
Rob Liefeld type things and stuff like, yeah, we're losing you. All right. Um, no, you're good. Um, there we go. Came back. Okay. Yeah, you're back. Um, I'll just, I don't know. I'm sorry. Keep going. I, I heard most of this, what you said about the okay. flash. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it, that, that was pretty much the whole story is I just realized that like, it was more than just the typical 90s stuff. It was like something more art based. It was like something real and like it could tell a really cool story. And that was my introduction to comics in general. So I didn't have any of the baggage that other people had with, you know, oh, this isn't my flash. This is Barry Allen. This isn't Wally West and things like that. And so I was, yeah, I think the, that's why I think the new 52 was good. It brought people in without the baggage. And now I've learned like, oh, there's all this other stuff behind it and that it's built there's up so much. Yeah. But I, do, I don't think, I think the biggest problem than looking back knowing the little bit that i know now i feel like part of the new 52's problem was that people just had too much baggage you know they were too worried about like oh this is what my character was in a lot of cases i mean i don't think it was all great but i think that like the issue with the new 52 for me well like as somebody who's like watched the tv shows and watched the movies and knows a little bit about the comics and stuff like that i was able to jump in i was like okay i know these characters Mm -hmm. But they were like, oh, it's a good starting point for new readers. Like, it's good for new readers if they knew a little bit about the history. Yeah. Because they pick true. and choose what worked and what didn't. Like, for example, the Superman series, like, yeah, like, oh, he, there's a lot of the history that doesn't still apply to him, but he died fighting Doomsday. That's still a thing. But they mm-hmm. don't really explain that until yeah. like halfway through the series. And it mm-hmm. just still wasn't, they were trying to make everyone happy at the same time. Yeah. Which, for some of them just didn't make anybody happy yeah and like i feel like that was another pro- that was a problem with like batman 2 kind of i mean not with this book itself but just with the concept like they were putting you know four robins and you know all these big batman events that happened over the years and put them in a four years five year span and it's like how he had dick he knew dick grayson for like six months then and like he knew it's yeah. like things like that didn't line up so it's just like but i think overall the- it go ahead yeah. Oh, sorry. It was like the Teen Titans stuff too, which I love the Teen Titans run. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wrote a comic book about a sidekick, so I love sidekicks, yeah. but like, oh, Cyborg's not part of the Teen Titans, but the Teen Titans were a thing when Dick Grayson was around, but mm-hmm. Starfire wasn't part of it either. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so yeah, but yeah. I don't understand the timeline for any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's just kind of a whole thing, but I don't want to turn this into the um, new 52 hour. But you did just, you just mentioned kind of something that leads into one of my questions, which was um, sidekicks, um, you, lo- you love sidekicks, I guess. So were Teen Titans kind of your introduction to sidekicks? I definitely, the TV show, mostly. Um, that was the thing that really got me into it, followed by like, okay, I kind of want to read more of these comics. And I read the Jeff Johns run. And then later on, as I got older, I was like, okay, I'll read some of this other stuff. Like, I'm a big fan of the Red Hood character. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact his series isn't the best, but I still love it, even when mm-hmm. it's bad. Um, but like, it's it's just that there's so much things about, there's so many cool things about a young kid who wants to be a hero who can't and just, like that's got to mess with somebody mentally, especially if they die and there's a lot of people dying around you. That's a lot to deal with. I mean, look at Batman. He was never a sidekick whenever he was younger. Uh-oh. You froze. I'll edit all this out. 
I think I see you. But wait. Hey. Yeah. I don't know if you saw I'm so my... sorry this keeps happening. No, you're good. Like I mean, I'll just cut it all out later. It's no it's no big deal to me. <laughs> it's just it's just whether you want to repeat yourself. I'd appreciate it, but I mean, I... you don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah, I'll I'll gladly repeat Go myself. For it. Anything to help you out too. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's a uh, Teen Titans were the best things that I've read from the Jeff Johns run a little bit. And then I went back and read the Marv Wolfman and George Krez run. Judas Contract is still one of my favorite stories ever. So, and I think like, obviously there's a lot of inspiration that the TV show took from the comic books Mm -hmm. and there's inspiration I took from that along with non sidekick related stuff like kick-ass and invincible, Mm -hmm. even though they're superheroes, there's parts of it where like, Oh, well, they're kind of learning from a mentor. Mm -hmm. So they're technically our sidekicks. Yeah. No, that's a good way to think about it. Um, I never really thought about them being sidekicks, even because they technically are. Um, um, shoot, I lost. Oh, well, I think that kind of is about like the goes back a little bit to the New Fifty Two thing, kind of in that um, they like. I just completely lost it. God, <laughs> uh, it had something to do with how people have baggage and. You're, wow, you just said it. You just said, oh, how the cartoons, there we go. How the cartoons, like when you go back, you kind of get that the cartoon, like you you appreciate more some of the things that the cartoon did because after you've read the comics, you're like, oh, I see what they were pulling from there. Oh, I see what that was pulling from. Oh, I get yeah. it. And it's kind of, it makes more sense and it makes you, gives you more of appreciation for both, I think. It's um, cool seeing the inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I guess, how you just mentioned like things like invincible and we've talked about kick-ass or you mentioned kick-ass and we talked about teen titans um when you were writing how did you differentiate yourself from you know marvel and dc things because i'm writing you know or it's still outlining but my own superhero thing and i'm just feeling like it oh that's just this is just invincible this is just invincible even though i know it's not but i can feel like from the outside it's just going to look like invincible so how do you write it in a way that you don't feel like you're ripping someone off or, you know, where, how do you make it feel your own? That, man, that, that's always a struggle too. Like it's hard not having that imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Like I'm waiting for someone to be like, Hey, you read too many Batman comics and then try to like stop me from writing. I was like, no, I swear. Yeah. Um, But honestly, I think it's, it really has to do with the fact that I made a character that I think, differentiated really well from some of the other like for example first issue i don't mind spoiling this has been out for over a year now go for it uh the hero dies in the first 10 pages that sucks i'm like okay that's not unheard of but by the end of the issue the real twist is that the bad guy who shot the hero was actually shot by the sidekick because he was like he freaked out he saw the gun and he shot him because he was like i gotta stop this guy Mm-hmm. and it's something that affects him throughout the story trying to be like well i am i still a hero after this is that questioning and whatnot i think having that one aspect kind of did a big change in differentiating my sidekick from all the others before mm-hmm. because he still has that huge thing hanging over him my whole thing was like what if robin was bad as his job that's how i did the story <laughs> yeah no, I mean, that that definitely is kind of an apt description. It's definitely a, a good way to think about it. Um, but so, I mean, what do you think, 
I guess was it from the begin from the beginning? Did you have that? Um, did you know what was gonna ha- that? Um, what's his name? Captain Ultra was gonna die. Like, was that like you knew? Did you know that yeah. from the outset? Oh, one hundred percent. Because when I first write, wrote the story, I was like, I, I had to make it different from everything else. I was like, okay, well, it's about the sidekick. What'd be cool? I was like, I guess having the hero die, and that's why I wanted him to look as ridiculous, like nineteen forty Superman kind of look to him and I purposely put that in there it's like I want him I want it to look like he's actually wearing underwear on the outside of his uh, costume I want him to look like this guy's read comics he's like oh this might be what superheroes wear and just make it as ridiculous as possible like kind of set up the world a little bit but also show very early on that hey this is a real life story people can die and they stay dead I mean I think that that is a um a good a way to kind of differentiate your maybe it doesn't differentiate your story but it you kind of there's a couple places where you mentioned things that are where you're kind of calling out you know mainstream comics and superhero things like you um you mentioned that it's in the first issue how every superhero is just it's commonly knowledge that every superhero is just a rich guy with a bunch of time on his hands and you know can afford to do that and so which is kind of like you know the whole batman thing and Go ahead. I definitely wanted to add a thing of satire to it because I love superhero comics. We've talked about the new 52. We've talked about other ones. I absolutely love it. But I could definitely make fun of them. I know how ridiculous and dumb it can be. Like, you good? I'm just going to keep talking and move with my hands yeah, a you're lot. Good. Yeah. There we go. All Maybe right. that's, yeah, just go for it. No, you're, you're fine. No worries. Yeah. That just, that, that's a good sign. Just to let me know that if it ever cuts out. Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah. So superheroes comics can be super ridiculous from Batman having four sidekicks and not being arrested for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Superman, like, basically blowing up other people or like destroying whole cities and be like, yeah, he's still a hero. I'm like, "Mm, is he though? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Spider-Man. I was talking with somebody about Spider-Man today. Mm -hmm. If Spider-Man was a real life person right now, he'd be insane. He'd Mm -hmm. be absolutely crazy with the amount of tragedy and things he went through. Mm -hmm. I I never even thought about that, that side of it. Like just that I just thought you meant he'd be insane for going out and doing that. And I was like, yeah, no, I buy that. But no, yeah, you're right though. Cause I mean, the, just the amount of trauma and the amount of weight that um that that has you know that i feel like you know i guess superhero stories are kind of doing now you know they're starting mm-hmm. to do where it gets things are more personal but you know back in you know you know when i don't know the 70s 80s whatever when um you know superman was out here punching people through buildings or like death of superman he like yep. destroys the whole place like, yep. what does that weigh on him? What does that weigh on, you know, all the pe- members of the Justice League who helped to help, you know, like, there's a lot of emotional weight that, but I do think a lot of that is being like, people are talking about that now. They might not yeah. have been several years ago, but it's, it's becoming more talked about. People are more interested in the psychological aspect yeah. of the heroes and everyone else. That's what something I want to explore in my mm-hmm. own story as well with like, hey, how does this affect him? Does he 
cope? Does he try to not think about it? Does he work through it healthily? Mm-hmm. No to that last one, but yeah, you know, that's why it's on issue four. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I do think that your story does a good job of writing the line between, uh, because I think that thank you. some comics now can maybe go a little bit too far in that direction. You know, I can't think of any of the top of my head, but I just feel like in general, there's some that maybe some Tom, Tom King stuff, maybe, but not necessarily, but I don't know. Things are, things get really like depressing and like psychological and a little too much. So, and it kind of loses the superhero aspect, but I feel like, yeah, you know, sidekick for hire does a good job but it balances the two because i think you need that i i definitely wanted to tell a more serious story for sidekick for hire but i also wanted to add jokes to it Mm. just because like the little parts of levity is just that's what makes it fun Mm -hmm. like i whenever in the first issue whenever he's sending out the application there's literally a part on it that says no adoption necessary making fun of the whole (laughs) batman yeah them. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I think that those those types of things are very important to, um, um, you know, to call out. So I guess as you've been telling this story, like we said, you're on issue four of how many? Five. Five. Okay. That's that's what I thought. I wanted to double check. Um, yeah. But so as you're, you're on issue four, how has, since the first one um, came out, how has the story changed? Has it been solidified since day one? Or, you know, there is definitely changed up for sure. Um, from the beginning, like I issue one is a good one just to read and be one and done if you wanted to. But I also left it where you can continue the story. And so I was waiting to see how issue one did with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And once I got like really good response from it, I was like, okay, I'll continue the story. Mm-hmm. And I had the outline originally. It's definitely changed more because some of the feedback I got from editors, artists, and some of the other people who read it, it was like, hey, I would like to see more of the character side mm-hmm. of Leo, the main character, rather than just more of the superhero stuff. I was like, all right, well, I've got to make sure I add that because I forget the human aspect is a part that people connect to, not the tights and the mm-hmm. kicking bad guys in the face. Yeah. So. But I mean, overall, the plot has been, has the plot been relatively the same, like as far as where the story's gone and where it's going to go? Let's see. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, you, you were question? asking about the plot? Yeah, the plot has been basically the same. For the most part, yes. There's obviously while you're writing it, there's mm-hmm. things that are going to be changing. Like that's just the better way to tell a story. Like I use the outline as like a skeleton. There's things that I'm probably going to change. I'm probably going to add a little bit more meat and a little bit of other things or like take some scenes away. But overall, yes, it has stayed true to the original conception from day one. Um, I mean, I, that's just something I wonder, like, as far as how people, you know, develop those things. And I just like to hear other people's because part of what I want with the podcast is to be educational and for people to be able to learn lessons from it or to get something out yeah. of it. And so I don't know. That's why I like to ask people about more into their process but um so if you could compare leo to a sidekick um 
what is there a character that you think if you had to sell the book are you like hey this is who this guy is he's this character um honestly i like i said uh i think the if robin was bad at his mm -hmm. job that would be the best example it. of it which one um oh boy if because leo in this world is his he's the first ever sidekick mm -hmm. so he would be dick grayson if dick grayson was bad at his job yeah I so say, I, I love dick grayson he's yeah. one of my favorite robins mm -hmm. i think he's top of the list but if he was bad this would be him yeah I mean, I was going to say, I, it's either Dick or based on the personality, um, Tim, I think, was yeah. a good fit as well. But um, I, I was just curious. Um, so yeah. I know that um, to kind of um, pivot um, a little bit, I don't know why I did that with my hands. Um, I know that you're um, from, I don't remember where I got this from, it was either from reading your site or from another interview, but um, you're into RPGs like, um, oh, shoot. Okay. I'm just gonna keep going. Hope it comes back. There we go. There we go. Okay, I'm just gonna. The last word I heard you say. Yeah. And then hopefully, then the, whenever you hear it, I'll like know that 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 was it. But um, yeah. so like the, I said, I don't. The remember. last word I heard you say was pivot. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> let's pivot to um where, like I said, you're. I don't know how I'm gonna edit this, dude. I, cause I don't know what I'm gonna put out. <laughs> this is gonna be a pain. Um. It's fine. Hey, but if I, you don't put it out, that's all right. I no, still have fun talking with you. I'm definitely going to put it out. My question is, do I put it out completely unedited or do I, I might just edit out the big silences. I don't know. Um, anyway, I know that you're, um, I believe you're into like RPGs, right? Like Dungeons and Dragons, things like that. Oh yeah. I have a, a whole shelf just of like Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Okay. Well, okay. I, want, I wanted to make sure I hadn't like read that about someone else. Um, so <laughs> I guess my first question is what is your, um, role are you a player uh dm what do you usually do normally i am the forever dm uh as the writer as well mm -hmm. people are like oh you could tell a story tell us this story and i'm like okay mm -hmm. and honestly writing dnd &D campaigns have helped me become a better storyteller in my opinion mm -hmm. and just being able to articulate better mm -hmm. what, well what do you mean by that because that was kind of my next question i i assume dm because you're a writer and I feel like that's kind of a role that a lot of writers, not all, yeah. but I feel like that's kind of a role maybe pigeonholed into sometimes, but um, I don't, I don't play. I talk like I'm playing, like I play, I don't. Um, <laughs> oh no, it's, you're right. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but so you said it helps you articulate more. Like, what do you mean? Like what lessons have you learned from writing campaigns that you've been able to carry over into your comics? Uh, one of the big things, especially when writing for an artist, uh, there's a certain line where you're either being not enough details or too much details. Mm -hmm. Like you want to make sure the artist has the ability to understand what kind of story you're trying to tell, but also they can kind of use some creativity on their own parts. So like there might be specific things I tell them about, but then I let their imagination fill in all the blank spots that they want to fill in. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of details that Rick puts in there. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I like how you did that. I didn't even think about that. Is that the the Rick and Morty graffiti? Did he do that? Uh, yeah, like that's okay, yeah. that's a hilarious thing that he did. That he was like, yeah, I just want to do that. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Rick is like, I think he put like the mask from Jim Carrey's The Mask in issue one somewhere mm -hmm. in the background. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. But it's fun. Uh, but yeah, that's the same thing for like DMing too. Like I want to give enough details to 
make the world feel lived in. But whenever I explain things, I let the player's imagination kind of like, okay, well then while I do this, it's like the, I climb up the brick wall. I'm like, cool. Didn't even imagine if it was a brick wall or stone wall, but it's a brick wall now. <laughs> yeah. But it's like that. It's a whole, the whole storytelling from Dungeon Dragons and comic book is actually, or RPGs, is very similar in a spat in the aspect that you're telling a story together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a wonderful part about it. That's why I love playing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's honestly, that's something I never thought about. I, I kind of, I, I guess some th similar things to the details have crossed my mind, but I never thought about the fact that you are building a collaborative story because, you know, you're building it in everybody's minds and it's not a real thing, but you are, you are like, like it's, it is almost exactly like being a comic writer. You know, you're laying a foundation and um letting them fill in the blanks but um yeah the, the only thing i thought of to add was and was just like it, i mentioned this on a previous episode that i recorded i think it's out now but one of the best things that i've found for writing is like for an artist is not to give them so many details but to kind of give more of a vibe and like you know it's this kind of room it has this feeling and maybe not it might be obviously i think when you're playing a game like dungeons and dragons or something there might be need to be more specifics because yeah. you know there's other things for them to interact with but and it also depends on how much freedom you want to give the artist but i feel like giving someone a vibe or this is the feeling this is the kind of thing it should look like is better than being like it's an eight by ten foot room it has 14 stools that are 16 inches high and it's you know yeah i mean you definitely want to give uh, like if there's specific things you want to get across even in a comic book too like i'll give details about specific things like what are they holding what's mm -hmm. what are they wearing this very specific thing that they hold yeah like in issue three of sidekick for hire uh leo specifically picks up a gift for tara in there mm -hmm. like for her birthday gift and that's going to play a big role or like that's going to inspire what's going to happen in issue four mm -hmm. but i specifically wanted that detail oh that makes sense. I got it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make that connection, but I got it. Yeah. Um, but it was just something small, like a little Easter egg, not even like, even if nobody's like, oh, I don't really get it. It's mostly for me too. just mm -hmm. be like, I have. Hello. There we, hey, there we go. Hey, oh yeah. Um, I don't remember where you were at, but um, oh, just about like details and stuff. Um, yeah, no, I definitely I agree that you know there's some things where I do want to put in like you know if if it's something that's crucial to the story, you know there are things you have to put that are details like you know he has yeah. it has she wears this and it looks this way because and then I know and then part of like I also agree with like you said that a lot of this stuff isn't something that everybody's going to notice. And my, I, there's a lot of details that I put in my stories that are just for me because it's just yeah. like, I want to, I put it in there and I'm like, then I can tell people when I show them, like mostly like I'll show my girlfriend and be like, look at, see this thing. This is what this is. And she's like, uh-huh. And like, it's stuff that doesn't <laughs> really add it, but you know, it's little details that I'll put into things that like, um, Oh, like, like in the most, in the comic I'm finishing drawing now, um, I do, I've been using photo. I've, started using my ipad and i've learned that i can do photo reference of myself um which mm -hmm. is cool but so in one of the panels i did a photo reference of myself 
and I was just going to do like the outline to get the proportions and everything. And I was like, no. And so I just put like, I drew my face and I outlined like my beard and my glasses and everything and put it all in there. And I doubt anybody else is going to notice that. But for yeah. me, I'll always be like, oh, that's me. That's I'm in there. And so as part of, that's part of the thing is, you know, we also have to be able to enjoy it. Yeah. I, I, so a little fun thing that I do for the scripts too. Like I do the same thing where I'll add like little extra details, mostly for myself, mm -hmm. but I make sure in the script, I say, Hey Rick, feel free to ignore this part, but this is just for me to have fun. And I'll write that little extra part. Sometimes you'll read it and put it in, or sometimes he's like, yeah, okay, I'll have fun with that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we're going to, I, I have a couple more questions, but I think what I want to do is take a quick break and come back because I hope we can tie some of these questions into what we want to talk about with um, Kill or Be Killed. Um, so we will cool. be right back for a quick commercial. And we're back. I've never called it a commercial before in my life, but here we are. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to, I want to start by, um, like I said, we're going to do a little book club on Kill or Be Killed by Ed Rootbreaker and um, Sean Phillips. I don't know if this is colored by jacob phillips or not i think it's before jacob it is not it's not okay because i knew like jacob phillips had been coloring it now more recently like i think he did like yeah. pulp and stuff like that but i don't know i wasn't sure how much anyway um it's from image the twisted story of a young man who's forced to kill bad people and now he struggles to keep his secret as it slowly ruins his life and the lives of friends and others and loved ones i misread that um so what's been your experience with the book like um where did you first come in contact with it um you know what did you think of when you first saw it or first heard of it so I'm a big fan of Ed Brubaker and John Phillips's work uh, from, like you said, Pulp, uh, All My Heroes Are Junkies. Like, I, I really like all their work so far, but I usually kept to their single graphic novel stuff, mm -hmm. like Reckless and things like that. Mm -hmm. I read a little bit of Criminal. I haven't finished it yet, but that's always been on my list. And this is the one where I was like, all right, I got too much stuff to read. So I haven't had a chance to yeah. read it yet. But then whenever we were like, oh, hey, let's do a book club. It's like, here, like, what are the books you want to do? And then one of the books that you suggested was this one. I was like, yes, all right, that's the one I want to, this yeah. actually gives me a reason to read it. And I'm so happy that we did. <laughs> Thank you. Because um, I'm well, go for immediately it. look for the next one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's what I, um, that's what I've done with um, the book club. Whenever I let, if people have suggestions, I always pick the one that I haven't read that I want to read the most. Like, um one of the ones we did was for Jason Aaron's Thor. And I was like, oh, I haven't read that, but I've really been meaning to. And I finally did it. Um, so good. Yeah, that, um, what else? Lady Killer. I'd already read Lady Killer, but Lady Killer is still, I just wanted an excuse to reread Lady Killer. Um, yeah. Let me see. I can't think of what else, but um, I read White Ash recently, which I don't know. I, did, I have mixed feelings about, but um, yeah. anyway. So yeah, I, I do the same thing when I'm looking at these books, but this is one of the books that I first pulled when I was um, just kind of, like I got into comics, like big my freshman year of high school. And then I didn't live in a place, I lived overseas. So we didn't have a comic book store until I was in college and you could afford to go mm -hmm. and had a little bit of a job. So I went down yeah. the, so it, when I lived in Louisiana, I would go to the comic book store there. And I started to pull this one because I was just looking at what are the best books that are out right now? I want to just pull stuff. This is before I realized that comics are expensive and we'll eat all your money. Um, and so, cause I just wanted a book to, I just wanted a book to read. I didn't even care about, I didn't know who Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips were. I just did it cause I wanted to read something like I'm a masochist. I chose to read yeah. pull 20. Anyway, long story short, I had all 20 <laughs> issues. I've had them. I read up to like issue eight or something and I never finished it for like the last five or six years until last year. I was just like, screw it. I was going through my boxes and like, I never finished this. And I just finished the whole thing, knocked it out in like a night. 
um, all 20 issues, which was great. It's a really, it's, um, I don't know, I guess, let's start with your thoughts. You said you loved it. Um, Did you finish it oh, or? Yeah. Oh, I finished the first volume. Uh, I haven't read the second or third yet. Cause I finished it. I was like, oh, I love, it. I like, you're a comic book creator as well. I have a question for you. I know you're the one who's doing the interviewing mostly. Go for it. But do you have an issue with like, cause you're making a career out of it? Hopefully. Um, well, same here. Yeah. But like, is it harder for you to enjoy comics just for a like, like a luxury, like okay. a leisurely activity? Well, this is actually something I've been uh, thinking about and it's something I wanted to, um, there's another person I'm trying to get to come on as a guest and um, who's an editor. And I really want to talk to them about that same thing. Like if they, when they read comics so critically all the time, is it possible to appreciate, but, or how, how does that differentiate? But yeah, I kind of get that. I, I get it more with, um, I, I honestly, I get it more with movies than anything else. I don't know mm -hmm. why that is, but um, I, I do with comics. I kind of, I guess it depends how good it is. Like I'm, I don't, it's something I have to read comics two or three times because I just, I just read them, you know, and I don't really take time to appreciate it. And so yeah. I don't think that making comics has hurt me, hurt my comic reading, but that's just my comic reading in general isn't the most studious or appreciative, but no, definitely when it comes to movies, I, I get very focused and like, okay, like they need to hit this. Why isn't this happening? Um, like character art. I'm just noticing things that like, I don't know. I notice a lot more mostly I notice it like in Marvel movies, but um, yeah. I don't know if that's just me, but like, I just nitpick on movies now because I've been writing. And my girlfriend tells me to stop and she tells me just to enjoy it. But that's hard for me. I don't know why. But I get to nitpicky. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but sort of. It does. Like for, like for me, whenever I read comic books, sometimes it's a little bit harder for me to enjoy because I'm putting so much effort into working in a comic book. Mm -hmm. I still love it. That's very like it's very rewarding whenever I make something. But like whenever I try to read a comic for fun, it just feels like I'm still doing work or research. Mm -hmm. for myself mm -hmm. and so it's sometimes it's very hard to find a comic book I really enjoy this one however was one I really enjoyed where I'm mm -hmm. like okay this is the reason why I love yeah. reading comics this is the stuff I want to read more of exactly like I said I had I've had all 20 issues sitting in my short box over there for like I said literally I don't oh, let me see I moved back to Ada so probably four years now I had all, had all 20 mm -hmm. just sitting there and I read them all in a night because I like I, I kind of did skim the first eight because I'd read those before. But then when I got to eight, I just I had to keep going. And it kind of gave me the same feeling. It was like, oh, like this is like and I, I I felt like I was getting a lot. I was really noticing things that he dated about it. Like I noticed mm -hmm. I liked the fact that on I think they do it even in the earlier issues. But like there's like whole it's like a, a single splash panel almost it's a single panel it goes vertical and then on the whole left or right side it's just caption yes and i, they, I really they had that early on yeah i really liked that i just liked the way that i just like the way that the story was told and so i was noticing these things but not in a critical way which is i guess different than normal for me so yeah good that's a good thing i guess um they just tell such a good story and mm -hmm. like the character acting alone it's just all it's amazing in my opinion it, like, it really I just love is the work. and like the more you 
uh, not, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the more you read it, like there are little things that I was going to mention that I can't now, but um, <laughs> there are little things um, that you can, that, you can spoil it for me. I'm okay with it. Well, I, I, like, I won't spoil anything big, but over the story the takes place over spoils. a period of time, spoilers, maybe <laughs> this isn't a big spoiler, but the story takes place over, I don't know how long, maybe two or three years or so by the time they get to okay. the final issue. I don't know. I might be wrong. Either way, my point was that you can see like looking at issue one and then looking at um, issue 20, like just um, see, I don't even remember his first name. I don't remember any of the characters. The, names. the character, Dylan. Dylan. Okay. I, like, I literally don't remember any of them. It's bad. Um, don't worry. I anyway. reread it last night. Okay. Um, Dylan's, um, his face structure changes, like his whole body, like you can see that he matures as the story goes and that's his a demeanor. little bit of a hint at like i guess kind of the way the story goes because his how he matures in the story it's definitely shows in his body and the way that he looks and it's so good just how There's, sean phillips does that it's crazy yeah they just do such a great job of showing a character evolving in such a <laughs> short amount of time in fact not to well i'm gonna promote myself regardless go for it um I did an online comic for free that I released like a couple weeks ago called Prolong. It's for free on my website if anybody ever wants to check it out. But it's very much like whenever I went to go look for an artist for that one, I was like, hey, this is kind of art style I want to do. It's the Sean Phillips one. And they were like, oh yeah, I love, and uh, the guy that I worked with, Hernan Gonzalez, he's like, I absolutely love their work. Yeah, absolutely. And he's like, I actually know a perfect colorist who could help out with that kind of color scheme with that stuff. Mm-hmm. and Damien did a great job with that one too but it was very much like this is a short story I want to do and I want to tell it in a similar way that they do it with like showing a character progression in a short amount of time mm-hmm. and they do such a great job with that no I mean it is and I think that the coloring is something that's um that I did it's one of those things that I might not have appreciated until I read it again but um, mm-hmm. the coloring itself is really good. I like, I'm a big fan of like bright colors, like just big splashes and like big color blocks. And they do that a lot. I'm looking at issue four right now online. And it's, I really like when people do that. I really love um, the coloring style that this book has. I just think it's um, very good, but um, sorry. I was just checking to see where um, issue four ended to so make sure I don't spoil anything. Oh, I was not looking at you. I was looking at the comic book. I'm sorry. Hey, no worries. <laughs> I just kept going and it, we, we ended up, we cut together at the perfect time. Um, but is, what do you think of Killer Be Killed as a superhero book? I don't know if you'd consider it one or I guess, would you, is it, it's a vigilante book. Would you consider it a superhero book? I, mm, I would not consider it a uh, superhero book. The same way I don't consider Punisher a superhero book. Hmm. Okay. Um, Interesting. Like I, I like the Punisher series a lot, but he is canonically not a superhero. He is a serial killer with rules, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And exactly. that's kind of the same thing right here. There's a certain line that you don't cross if you're a superhero, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And yeah. throughout a series, like he crosses that line. Mm-hmm. And so, well, I feel like that kind of goes back a little bit to what we talked about earlier with um, stories having to, um, I, I mean, it doesn't necessarily tie back, but it, it, it does feel appropriate. The, when we talked about how superhero stories, like feeling the mix of 
realness versus, um, you know, a camp or, you know, co comedy fantasy-ish, you know? Um, I can't think of the word. But so yeah. I guess fantasy is good. But, you know, we don't... I think you calling it a vigilante story is, like, perfect, honestly. Yeah. That's what I would call I, it. I stole it from the internet. But I, was, I just think that, like, <laughs> you know, it isn't a superhero... I, what you said about the Punisher, not a superhero, because, you know we can it feels kind of dumb to say oh that's not a superhero to me because superheroes aren't real but i feel like that's you know because people say people say like you know well batman should kill the joker and things like that but it's not real like there's a yeah. level of fantasy to it that we accept because it's a superhero story um yeah i don't know what that has to do with what i was talking about but <laughs> that's what it made me remember um it made me remember to our other conversation i mean so, all these characters are fake there's like that's true yeah there's stories, there's stories to entertain us, but it's enjoyable to talk about that aspect of like, what makes a hero? What doesn't make a hero? What is like all, everything that I've been saying is my opinion. Is mm -hmm. it fact? Is it truth? Probably not. Yeah. But in my opinion, there's a certain thing that makes a hero. And if you cross that line, you are no longer in that little box shaped superhero thing that you want to be. So, yeah. I mean, and I think that's completely valid, but um, so I guess this sort of, Okay. Compared it to the Punisher, Vigilantes. I don't know yeah. what I was gonna say. Um, what do you like? What I mean, were there any specific scenes or um, characters in the book that you thought were um, really uh, uh, that you you were really memorable or anything like that? All right. It's back on. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Cool. You were asking if uh, if there's any characters or scenes that anything, I really like. Yeah. Any mem anything memorable or the sticks in your brain? Uh, honestly, the thing that really stuck in my brain, especially for like the first part, was just him falling from the roof and just that whole sequence of him realizing, "Why would I do this? I don't want to do this. This sucks." And the first time he's like felt alive, even though he's wanted to kill himself for that. That scene sticks out. Or even the scene with him and uh, Kira, where he's like, oh, I finally get to make out with the girl of my dreams, but she's with somebody else. Even those like sweet moments are so bitter because it's not exactly how he wanted it, how he imagined it. And that's just so unfortunate when like fantasy becomes mm -hmm. reality and it's not exactly how you imagine. So it's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. so I mean, and then obviously the scenes with him kind of discussing whether or not to kill somebody it's just him struggling with that mm -hmm. and then him finally doing it and being like okay maybe i enjoy this spoiler yeah no i mean it's it's fine it's just the first volume uh, we won't yeah. go we won't go any more than that but um i don't know i just i think that one of the things that even now i still remember even though like i said i may not remember his name or you know other little details but it's not yeah. just his name i don't remember any of their names but yeah, like no <laughs> it's still it's what stuck with me is that just how personal the story is you know it's yeah. you you really feel like you're understanding his predicament even if you've never you know encountered a potentially a demon that's telling you to kill people to make you a good person like you still that's feel like you get it and it's so personal i don't know that's the thing though like there's a demon in the story 
and it is not the main focus of the story. Like, yeah, when you brought it up, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. There's a demon who's forcing him to do this. Yeah. That's an important part of the story, but it's mm-hmm. not like the main focal point of it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it drives the plot, but it doesn't drive the character, yeah. which is something I appreciate. And it, it, I, and it, like at the end of the first volume, it is kind of setting up. You know, it does. It kind of goes up and down in terms of how much the demon plays into things, but um, it does for a little bit become more of a driving issue. But um, it yeah. is. But like you said, it or like you said that I said it's you completely forget about that part and that the book has those fantastical roots to it but it still feels very real and i think feels grounded i think for the most part i think so do how much do you care about spoilers you can tell me i will still enjoy the book how much like the you know the i think just knowing based on you know phillips and brubaker's catalog it's seems like it's definitely not a real demon you know yeah. it's their their catalog is not very fantasy based it's very you can spoil it for me i'm still gonna read their stuff I mean, yeah, as a fanboy yeah. i'm still gonna read it it's it's not real but it is really good <laughs> with knowing not knowing that it's just like i said how much it it still factors in, in ways that i haven't spoiled but just like you like i said you can kind of tell that from the get-go but it still had me questioning it i was like mm-hmm. maybe even though I knew I was familiar enough with their work to know that like they all their books are like real, like kind of gritty ish type things. And, but I was still like, maybe he's a real demon. I don't know. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just really liked that, that balance that they, um, that they have between the two. Um, yeah. So what, um, what do you think makes a good superhero story? <sighs> to tie this Honestly, back to good... sidekick for hire. Yeah. A good villain. Mm-hmm. that's that's something i really wanted to it's this is definitely a sidekick for mine sidekick for hire is about him mm-hmm. and the whole first few issues was establishing him establishing what's going on in the world like he has outside forces going against him and like his own self basically that's causing some issues mm-hmm. but it was important for me to i think a good villain makes a good hero because you need that antagonist mm-hmm. And that's something we explore in the newest issue for Sidekick for Hire. Well, yeah, that's what I was I was gonna bring it up without being too going too in detail, but it's in a way the villain of the story is in a way a sidekick themselves. Mm-hmm. I think if you there's a way you could look at it and see them as also a sidekick, being second fiddle to um, you know the person in charge. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know how much you're comfortable with me saying, but um, oh, yeah, you, but you, but you know what I mean? Um, you know, yeah. uh, Dr. How do you, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Alexion. Uh, so her, her actual name is Dr. Sasha Alexion. Alexion. Okay. Spanish. That's what I thought. Yes. Yeah. So like she, in a way is a sidekick to the mayor in that she plays second fiddle to him. And so I like that there's a bit of a dichotomy there between the two. Yeah, I definitely wanted to play with the aspect of, okay, if she's like, she's a bad guy, but why isn't Mm -hmm. what she wants to do for the city to help out and everything Mm -hmm. else? Is that not actually good? Yeah. Who's the actual bad guy in the story? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of that whole, it's not all black and white idea of it. And and that's very true. And like, like I said before, like her story kind of goes in tandem with Leo's in that he's like, she's trying to do a good thing and is you know 
isn't appreciated because of it and goes down another one path. And Leo is yeah. at first not appreciated for what he's doing and goes down another path, even though they're both trying to do good things that, um, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I just really, I really like the way that those two play off of each other. Um, I, I definitely purposely kept them away from each other. Like, like their actions affect each other, mm-hmm. but I purposely kept those two characters There we go. Yep. Can you hear me? Yep. Cool. Um, yeah, like I said, I wanted to make sure I kept those two characters away from each other and just have their actions affect each other. And then they could finally officially meet in person. And this newest issue, I'm not afraid to say that because it's not really a big yeah. spoiler because even just from the cover, you're like, oh, they're going to yeah. play a bigger part. I, yeah hate misleading covers so that's the reason why i had that in there mm-hmm. no and i mean but yeah yeah so i guess to go off that how what do you um what do you think uh, this might be similar too similar to things we've already talked about but what do you think goes into writing a good superhero story as far as writing the like you said the villain but is there anything that goes into writing the hero himself that you think is um important because I mean, we're not even just a superhero story, but just a hero story because Leo's a diff- Leo's one type of hero, and then we have Dylan and Killer Be Killed, who's another type of hero. So, I mean, are they both valid as heroes? I guess you already said you wouldn't consider him Dylan a hero, but are they both? I don't know. How, how do you write them? Well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. You you say whatever you're yeah. thinking. No, I, I I'm I'm following. Um, I, in my young career of a comic book creator, uh, things that I've learned that helped me out is the hero actually, the the hero believes that what they're doing is morally correct. The same thing for Dylan. Dylan feels like, well, I'm killing bad people. So what I'm doing is good. Mm -hmm. Same thing for Leo in my comic. He's like, well, I'm saving people. Sometimes people die because that's what heroes like they're putting their life in danger. That's kind of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I need to keep going because that's what heroes do. Heroes don't give up. They don't quit. And honestly, sometimes to their detriment too. Like he believes, like Leo definitely believes he's a hero in the story. Whether or not he is, that is a discussion that could happen. Mm-hmm. But I think, honestly, I love the, I like the term you use vigilante story because that's what sidekick for hire feels like more so than an actual traditional superhero story which i did not want to i love superhero stories Mm -hmm. but and i want to write more someday but this feels more like a vigilante story Mm -hmm. why why did you not want to write a superhero story there's so many Mm -hmm. there's just so many in the world i mean obviously there's a reason why marvel dc are called the big two and it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle if I just, hey, this character fights this bad guy. And I've like, some people I've met at conventions have done superhero stories and they're really great. They're cool and stuff like that. But I can't tell you what makes them different from some of the other big DC and Marvel comics. They're probably just as well written. They probably have some of the better art, but unfortunately for some of it, it's just, there's nothing in it that really sticks out differently. Mm-hmm. The I, have you ever heard of the antagonist? No. 
So it's an indie comic series they did by Godhood Comics. They're based out of Atlanta as well. Um, they did a Kickstarter, what was it? I think it was like 2020 and it did really well. Their mm-hmm. comics being auctioned off and whatnot. Yeah, to like movies and stuff like that. Their series is really good, but it sticks out because like, oh, hey, these are the actual super villains that decide to go back, like just hide out, be among people, but they're the main characters. That's a superhero story that sticks out. That's different. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do for Sidekick for Hire, where it's like a sidekick story sticks out more than just a normal superhero story. That's really true. Um, that you know that the sidekick is, it's because that was something I I'd written. I felt like we kind of answered, but I feel like that kind of brings it full circle. And why tell the story from the point of view of a sidekick? And it's I mean, if nothing else, it differentiates it, but also it's a different point of view that we don't see while also telling a very similar story. So it feels similar, familiar enough that like, it's like, okay, I kind of, I get where this is. I understand, you know, kind of what's going on, but it's also very different because it's not your typical superhero story. Exactly. Okay. So um, that's all I have for you, but um, I do like to end the podcast with um, one last, I feel like we brought it full circle there. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So, I want to, I always ask with a random uh, personal question just to catch people off guard. What is your most embarrassing public moment? Ooh, most embarrassing public moment. Um, I would say my most embarrassing one, I'm not a confrontational person whatsoever. I'm very much like someone bumps into me and I apologize yes. kind of person. Uh, my girlfriend and I were walking through, we're walking down the street, going over a crosswalk. It was very busy and whatnot, but we we're the only ones cr- crossing. And this one guy was driving around and honked his horn at us because we weren't crossing the street fast enough. There was other people on the sidewalks and whatnot. They all looked over and the guy like pulled up behind us, rolled down his window. He's like, you guys need to hurry up. And I just looked back, he's like, hey, okay, but calm down. <laughs> And my girlfriend was like, oh, boy, you, you don't need to talk to anybody anymore. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, That's no, probably I'm, the most recent, like. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely the same way. Um, I, I, I've done the same thing before. I'm like, sorry, I like, I get mad. And I'm like, but sorry. And like, you know, I'm just like, I try to correct myself. Okay. Almost there. There we go. There we go. Got it. How can you tell? Uh, when the video, your video cuts out every once in a while. So does yours. But then when it comes back and I see you moving, I was like, cool, can't hear you. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that's what's, okay. I was curious because I noticed yours does the same thing. And every time you've been like, you've been on the money. Um, but yeah, no, I was just saying, I do the same thing. You know, we, I just, I get mad at like people who cross the road and or like, you know, people cut me off or something in traffic or, and I try not to, like I, I've done some, you know, flip people off and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, no, sorry, sorry. And like, after I do it, cause I'm like, oh shoot, I don't want to, not a confrontational person. I'm just um, not a confrontational person. Yeah, I'm not either. I don't, I don't see it the point sucks. of it. I'm just like, I don't, why, do, I don't know why to make a big deal. But then sometimes I just get really mad. And I, I one time, I mean, the only, this is my most embarrassing moment. But um, one time I, um, somebody, I was getting on the highway trying to go to work. And um, this is several years ago, through probably three or four years ago. And this guy wouldn't let me on. Like I was on the shoulder, like almost in the grass. And yeah. I got on the highway 
And so I flipped him off, right? And I shouldn't have done that, you know, but I thought, okay, it's not that big a deal. I'll just do it. I don't condone anyone doing that. Yeah, exactly. And then he proceeded to, and so I got in the left lane to go around him and he proceeded to not let me off. Like he, I had to skip like two exits to go like, and I was trying to like speed up past him. I tried to like hit the brakes real quick and get behind. He was just saying neck and neck with me, would not let me over. It was the, I, I, I was, I almost had a full blown panic attack. Cause I was like, I'm not going to get to work on time. I'm going to be late. This guy, I'm never going to get off the highway. I was losing my mind. And I don't, I don't know why. I, I don't think that what I did was deserving of that, but it was, it was yeah. crazy. Like I literally, I, like I said, I had to miss my exit and go all the way around to the next exit. So I was on the other side of town to come back. It was, I just, I don't, I, I mean, don't I've had people flip me off for, yeah. Could have been my fault, could have been theirs, but <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. And I just yeah. keep on going. I don't really think much of exactly. it. Exactly. And most of the time when that happens to me, I'm like, what did I do? I don't know what I did. Calm down. But like that time. Water I was off like, the duck back. Yeah, that's when I was like, I was like, I was full blown like panicking. I was like, I don't know what I did. I don't know. I'm never going to get sucks. off the highway. It was terrible. Um, but <laughs> I always try to go um, tit for tat. So it's not my most embarrassing, but it's the only one I can think of. Um, in high school, I knocked off like a solid two computers off the library. Like we had rows of computers in the library and like I turned with my backpack and knocked them all over and the whole library watched me like very sadly put them all back up and put the monitors and plug everything back in. And it was just very, at the time was mortifying. So yeah, not my most embarrassing, but definitely, it's definitely one I always think when I think of embarrassing moments. Um, so yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, that is all I have for you. Um, if, like I said, um, Sidekick for Hire, it is live now. It ends on February 4th. I think when this comes out, it'll have a week left, two weeks left, a week in a day left. No, a week left. Um, anyway, where can we find you online? Uh, I am on Instagram and Twitter at yes, that Christian, uh, Christian with a K, not a CH. Um, but yes, kind of say it in an exhausted tone, like yes, that one. Yeah. Um, you guys can check my website out. Uh, like I said, I have a free comic up there with links to other ones. Uh, it is christianherrera.com. Christian with a K again, not a CH, because my mom wanted me to be a delinquent. Um, yeah, that's honestly all my uh, online tags are yes, that Christian. I mean, that's the best way to do it is to have them all in one spot. Um, but I learned that early on. Yeah, the, the definitely. I wish I would have. I tried to, but Twitter couldn't handle a ta- uh, uh, a name username long enough so i just had to go with f press comics but um yeah yeah you can find foreign press comics as always at instagram or twitter at f press comics instagram at foreign press comics foreign press comics.com um we're on facebook we don't get out we don't own that often um <laughs> you might want to go subscribe to our email list if you're listening because we're putting out a comic in March called Valkyrian and there might be a promo code in there. So, you know, subscribe to that email list. Um, other I'm than that, read it. go for it. Um, other than that, Christian, that is all I have for you. Um, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>